Welcome to the very first edition of the um, Shades of Green podcast. My name is Bryant Williams. I'm the uh, co-host, more of a sidekick to uh, my um, to the host, um, Juanita Garcia. Yeah, and I'm Juanita Garcia. And with that, I'll let uh, I'll let Brian talk about the podcast and the name. So um, we picked the name Shades of Green because there's a couple different things. The the term green defines the environmental and sustainability field, and just like there, just as, like there's numerous shades of green and complexions to the shades of green there's numerous shades and complexions of people of color in our roles in the uh, green industry we have environmental justice advocates like um, such as my hero hazel johnson or <clears throat> urban agriculturalists uh, like one of my other heroes Oren williams um, but then there's a uh, advocates like Naomi Davis or environmental attorneys like my cousin Sharonda Williams and uh, environmental justice organizations and conservationists and stewards and educators and engineers like myself, um, nonprofit operators and everything in between and numerous numerous fields that I have not named. So I figured to really capture the full breadth of um, the complex and complexity of people of color in this field, we wanted to start up a podcast where we could focus on, excuse me, focus on various environmental issues that are fa- that people of color face, um, and and also from time to time spotlight, um, uh, he, you know, some of our contemporaries in the field, um, but also some of the up and coming. Stars in this field, so that's kind of the background and the idea behind this behind this podcast. So, did you want to start by telling us a little bit about how you uh, you started and and what inspired you in in environment and green? Yeah, so um, my uh, as you know, I'm I'm a child of the Calumet region. I you know um, lived in the Calumet region most the vast majority of my life. Um, You know the. 10th Ward of Chicago and the Calumet region in general has the highest uh, um, amount, the highest concentration of uh, landfills and transfer stations of anywhere in the Midwest. I've read um, a couple of the different um, places that we, there's somewhere in the range of 70 to 85 different landfills, transfer stations, Superfund sites and incinerators at one point in time in that area. Um, and growing up as a kid in the Calumet region, I had uh, all the the um, public health issues that are associated with it. I had um, asthma as a kid, and you know um, a lot of those other issues. And you know, I, um, the one point in time in my life that I moved from the um, from the southeast side, I lived um, on the west side for a little while and went to Westinghouse High School. So currently, Westinghouse um, uh, is down the street from the Center for Green Technology, but while I was in school, um, the Center for Green Technology did not exist, and it was like the biggest fly dumping zone in the Chicago area. Um, it was actually a major super fun site, major brownfield as well. Um, so, you know, waste has, waste in the waste industry has kind of followed me through and plagued me throughout my life. Um, I went away to college and <clears throat> decided to study biology and you know, figured I'd uh, write medical journals, uh, studied biology and environmental, excuse me, uh, biology and English, and um, wound up having to read a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Um, 
literally changed my life. Uh, um, you know, basically, this book starts off with a um, guy reading a newspaper and answers a, sees a one ad that says, teacher seeking student must have an earnest desire to save the world. And, you know, it's like, ooh, this seems interesting because, you know, in my, as a kid, I would always see all these issues, the crime, the grime, and, you know, the waste and all these other issues. And it's like, why was it like this? You know, what can I do to change it? And, um, you know, so this book, this guy answers the one ad, and it's a, a giant silverback gorilla that had placed the ad, and he's basically teaching um, the teacher, this, excuse me, the student, how man's uh, Western society has essentially is essentially ruining the earth, and we're blowing through our resources and um, causing all these environmental catastrophes. And this was before, you know, dating myself a little bit, this is before the term climate change was really used. And even before the term sustainability was used, this was when, you know, really your environmental field was about the three R's, the reducing, reusing, recycling. And um, so I finished that book. I read it in, like, the course of a weekend. And, you know, Monday morning, I went and changed my major to environmental science and, um, you know, started along this path where, you know, my goal was to uh, essentially, like, what I decided to do was dedicate my career to cleaning up environmental sites and, you know, eliminating landfills. So how do you eliminate a landfill? You know, you stop what goes into it. Um, so I'm personally and professionally, I mean, um, I compost at home. I'm, you know, I recycle, I reuse, I reduce all the good stuff, and I teach my children to do it as well um, because, again, as you know, as Ishmael taught me in this book, you know, like one thing that we all have to do is be teachers about and to uh, uh, teachers of uh, being stewards of the environment. Um, so, you know, my my the thing that I'm giving back is that I have two beautiful daughters, and I'm making sure that they're good stewards to the environment as well. Um, and you know, professionally, I. Um, work for uh, an amazing organization called the Rebuilding Exchange. It's a nonprofit social enterprise with a mission to create a market for salvage and reclaim building materials. So, you know, trying to divert the greatest amount of material going into the waste stream from the waste stream. Um, and, you know, really focusing on, like, the circular economy where instead of, you know, things are produced to go into a landfill, they're produced to be reused or recycled in some way, shape, or form. So, um, that's, you know, kind of my backstory. How'd you get into this? So, um, <clears throat> I, I have to say I'm a little, uh, much later to the environment, um, than you are, um, than you were growing up, you know, I was a city kid and I had a healthy respect for the environment, but, you know, to me, the environment had just a bunch of scary things in it and things that could bite me and hurt me and <laughs> I'd preferred to stay away from it um you know but it, it was this, this healthy still a healthy respect for it and this respect for the animals and the flora and fauna in in those in the environment and I really had this extreme separation you know in my mind of the built environment where humans belong with indoor plumbing yes. and, and you know, and the city and then the rest of, of, of you know, of animals and, and flora and fauna. And, and, uh, and it wasn't uh, until I was in, um, I was at that point, my background's in mechanical design and, 
and the built environment and, and working in the AEC community. And, um, you know, at, at, I, in 2008, you know, at that point, I had been working as a mechanical designer designing um, HVAC systems uh, for a mechanical contractor for, for a few years at that point and um, drafting and designing these systems. And to me, people, especially up until that point, um, were just a number you plugged in for occupancy. Yeah. You know, hadn't really considered their health and well-being. Hmm. Um, just, you know, how much would they heat up a room, you know, um, and, and the load and their their impact on, a, on, on the load of a, of a mechanical system. But then uh, in 2008, I started working on a, on a LEED project. and What is LEED? Uh, lead uh, the uh, the U.S. Green Building Council's um, leadership in energy and environmental design um, certification for buildings. Um, I was working on a lead project, and it was my first experience working on a project like that. And I as um, I started working on load calcs and and um, the supporting documents for those lead credits, and. And I started to look at the other credits and how much there were considerations for how how occupants experienced that space, um, considerations for daylighting and how they connected to the space outside of in the environment outside of that space, and even how they got there, um, and considerations for how they commuting and even um, deciding on the site and. I'm like, huh? And at the same time, I happened to also be working on a, on a massage therapy degree, and um, I was meeting these clients that were really feeling a modern lifestyle, city lifestyle, and their bodies uh, reacting to that, and and that impact of being at a desk all day, you know, in a cubicle without daylighting and commuting, you know, driving yeah. to work, and and you know, eating at their desks, fast food. And, you know, it was it was when I started to realize, once I was start, starting to talk to the clients and my own experience, um, I started to realize, well, you know, it's that is having an impact. Our lifestyles are having an impact. I couldn't exactly tell clients, you know, to stop working there and <laughs> do something else that'll yeah. be healthier. But I started to think, well, you know, maybe the answer is the built environment and yeah. how much the the design of our built environment, and if it's holistic, it can have an effect, uh, you know, an impact on our health and well-being. And, you know, we can have access to green spaces, and we can think about the energy used to get to that space, and as well as well when we're in that space, um, and the materials we use in that space, and the materials to build that space. And it just, I started to, I'm like, that seemed like the answer and as I started to to do more and more research on that I realized like that is the answer and it it starts to when you start thinking about that you start thinking about the communities and you know it's no longer just the individual in that space but you start thinking about the economy and you start thinking about the local economy and Mm -hmm. and businesses and interdependence of those businesses and then you start thinking about the environment Mm -hmm. um, and how there is this interdependence and there is this way to solve um, a lot of those those problems that we have by thinking more holistically about design. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point because, I mean, like, you know, far too often people do look at it and just 
numbers or figures as opposed to looking at the human side and you know uh, that, how that how how that's impacted and how you know like people use those spaces as opposed to just it being a space you know I remember um like taking a geography a geography class in college and like they wanted us to map out walkways within the school and then also on top of that place like the actual pathways that people take and yeah. what we saw was that you know like sure there's all these existing walkways but you know like <clears throat> most people didn't take those they followed you know like diff- different trails that were established through you know just the culture of the college as opposed to like the college paving ways for them you know so um so why is it, um, why is the podcast important to you? Like, why did you decide that you wanted to be uh, the the host and voice of the uh, Shades of Green podcast? I, you know, I um, coming from my experience in um, in in the building industry, and often being the only woman or person of color in a room, yeah. you know, designing, um, you know, for all the people um, involved in designing and building a building um and i love that i love that so many people are involved in collaborating to make that happen and i love how lead has an impact on that and green building and sustainability has had a huge impact on how that's really changed the paradigm of how how much um or how those buildings are built um and you know um that experience of the lack of diversity kind of just seeking out, you know, diversity in other places and and really trying to highlight, you know, and finding those stories mm-hmm. of, of people of color yeah. um, that are working on, on making making an impact in on the environment and from different from different you know, perspectives of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, talking to other members of, of the uh, environmentalists of color you know, um, there are not a whole lot of us from the from um, the architecture, engineering, and construction side. Right. Um, but I love to see um, and meet the other people working towards towards that and sustainable communities yeah. and and the contributions that they're making and being able to talk to them about it and being able to talk to to them and highlight the the impact that they have yeah. that isn't always very visible. <laughs> Um, and I think that that it goes back to that too the the um, how buildings are built and the collaboration and that you know there are a lot of people involved in how how anything gets done all the stakeholders yeah. in, in how buildings are built or communities are are defined and evolve. Is there um, any organizations that are doing things right now in the environmental field like locally our, um, our focus is the Chicago area but you know Chicago is a very massive region but we'll all, you know I think as this thing grows we'll reach out to other municipalities and other locations for our guests for sure. and such but is there anyone or any organization doing something that you think really stands out or is really innovative right now in the Chicago area um, it, um, sustainability wise or environmentally you know, obviously, aside from the rebuilding exchange, <laughs> amazing course. groundbreaking organization, groundbreaking right? yeah. work. Uh, <laughs> you know, definitely. But uh, you know, I have to say, a lot of a lot of uh, the greatest impact that's being made is with the organizations that are that are working in education, mm-hmm. and and so that we do see a greater, stronger generation of environmentalists of color and yeah. 
you know, when you think about, um, you know, um, Toni Anderson, mm -hmm. you know, the work she's doing, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, yeah. definitely, yeah. you know, and I'd love to see, I'd love to highlight the stuff she's doing with the huge impact, not only in Chicago and the community, but but the, all the butterfly gardens and yeah. the making impacts on butterfly habitats and um, migration, but then also the work that she's doing um, over uh, over in Kenya as well, taking, this, taking young people from Chicago to Kenya for service projects, working with Engineers Without Borders and other organizations to do some amazing work. It's funny that you mentioned Tony because I was thinking about her earlier when you said we can't take, um, and we're, we're definitely going to get her on. Yeah. Um, probably when they return from Kenya this uh, later this year for um, for an interview and just a full deep download. But um, um, it's funny that you mentioned earlier, like we can't take people out of the the environment that we're working in. Tony actually did take herself out of the environment that she's that she was working in yeah. um, and started, you know, like her, really focused on her passion and um, you know just going to leave it there. And you know we'll come back when she's on. I, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to give her the opportunity to tell her own story. Um, I think <clears throat> you mentioned educationally. I think you know Tony's doing some amazing work in Bronzeville, but you know organizations and you know, um, larger. I think I look at Loyola University and the mm -hmm. work that they're doing um, with their Institute for Environmental Sustainability, and you know really actively seeking out students of color for their environmental program. Um, but then the work that's going on in the program is amazing. I mean, like, you know, they, um, there's a, a student-led program became, became one of the largest biodiesel labs in the state of Illinois. Um, uh, you know, um, the, the, the Loyola University is just getting it right when it comes to sustainable practices as well as uh, environmental education. And, you know, everybody looks at UIC or University of Chicago or Northwestern for schools to go to in the Chicago area, but quiet is kept. Loyola is the the best, you know, they're the best kept secret when it comes to environmental education in the Chicago area, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what do you, speaking of, what have you been up to lately? Uh, what are you working on? I know you're uh, always <laughs> a bit of a jack of all trades. You mentioned that Project Act, doing some projects. Yeah, Some work with project exploration. along along the lines with um, of education and thinking about that, and um, I've been doing some work with project exploration, and um, specifically recently working on their Sisters for Science program, and and um, and doing some work um, in STEM related some STEM related workshops that are project based um, in uh, engineering and. Uh, in environmental science and placemaking and urban planning, yeah. um, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, you know, inspiring these young girls and and drawing on their uh, their own experience yeah. um, in middle school. Um, it was great, especially after last spring uh, working on a on a week long curriculum in in green building and, and, uh, well, we, and uh, urban we, planning for yeah. a STEM camp for yeah. middle school students. That was a lot of fun. It was great. It was the timing was awesome. It's right, you know, it's at Funston and right off the six oh six right after it cool. opened and going to the plant and it was it was a really a lot of fun and then I love that, at least for me, um, coming from my own experience, I you know, I had um uh you, I had a 
had gone into, you know, um, high school, um, you know, gifted high school, um, and, but while I was there, it took me three tries, three times to pass one of my math classes, and I really thought, I'll never be good at math after that, and it just beat down my confidence, and, um, and I'm like, you know, after that experience, I'm like, well, there'll never be, never be good at engineering or science. Yeah. But it, I came to realize that for me, I really needed a practical application of math to understand it. Yeah. Um, now, I've, you know, since then, I've gone on to actually engineering. Yeah. Um, and for me to, to, to help, you know, um, get a different perspective on those, those STEM disciplines, I think just being able to get that, a sense of that from a different angle, sometimes just having a different perspective um, on, on, uh, on math or science or engineering or physics, yeah. you know, that uh, can make a huge difference. I mean, even as an adult, you know, I was such a huge fan of chemistry as a kid, but it wasn't until I was in massage therapy and do, taking an anatomy and physiology class. And I came to really appreciate chemistry and how every movement, every thought came from a chemical reaction like wow it just blew my mind and i'm like you know it was a whole new appreciation for chemistry and i think that that um especially for kids you know i think that that especially for kids that are average that aren't that are you know aren't necessarily gifted i feel like Mm -hmm. gifted kids get a lot of resources Mm -hmm. um that you know not that that they don't deserve them right i know what you mean i mean like there's the resources for the the um it's it's the bell curve yeah kids on the uh, each side of the bell curve they get the most attention but those kids in the middle of the bell curve they don't you know like there's they just get to go to school <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no, you know, there's um, you know, the the coach spends a lot of time on the team with the kid that's the with the best kid on the team or the worst kid on the team, you know, the seventh man doesn't get a lot of attention on the basketball squad, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, any any chance you get to just explore things, yeah. um, and just get a different perspective, and I feel like, especially environmental, um, a, a lot of those environmental jobs that that, you know, the green economy jobs yeah. that the EOC members have, a lot of them didn't exist when we were kids. Right, right. And just to get a different perspective on thinking about these, like, lesser-known yeah. um, careers and just getting a sense of, you know, of yeah. what that looks like can be eye-opening for kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, like, asbestos abatement um, and lead abatement started when we were kids, like when we were really young kids, you know. It's like asbestos was outlawed for use in building materials when I was, you know, while I was a child. You know, I remember, like, um, you know, all the biggest asbestos scares of the early 80s and all that kind of stuff when we moved into our home. Um, you know, but, like, so that's a newer field. Um, underground storage tank removal. Like, a lot of the things that I was doing um, in, in my early career came up in my lifetime, you know. And even more, like some of the like some of the lead certification is lead, the lead certification process is what 10, 15 years old at the most, somewhere in that range. So these are <clears throat> so you know one thing that is incumbent on the um, environmental educators is that they're teaching for 
careers that have not been created yet. You know, so, yeah. You know, trying to stay on the cutting edge. Yeah. Um, of um, different trends and preparing people for um, things that don't exist yet. Uh, yeah, you know, educators can only do so much, <laughs> you know. Um, That's why it's important that, you know, we teach people how to think, not what to think. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. And, you know, one thing I, I wanted to, uh, shifting gears ever so slightly, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, is, uh, you know, um, Columbusing and taking of uh, <laughs> different like different ideas and different things. So like here I work at the Rebuilding Rebuilding Exchange and I've heard people talk about how the Rebuilding Exchange brought building material reuse to the Chicago area. But you know, long before the Rebuilding Exchange existed, Sanford and Son, you know, right. the television show um, was there and Sanford, you know, had a he had a home with, with a warehouse with a storage space and sales space where he sold his goods he upcycled building materials and other junk um, using air quotations and on the podcast you guys can't see that I'm sorry um, so you know he's doing things that we had been doing for years for generations up to that point out of necessity so what we're doing here at um, the rebuilding exchange is now trendy um, and so it's you know we're columbusing to a certain extent here at the rebuilding exchange so you know, one person that has really been set aside and focusing on the Chicago area is uh, Dusabel, you know, the founder of the city. And, you know, we look at the urban, you know, urban agriculture and your typical urban agriculturalist, your stereotypical mm-hmm. one is, you know, hipster. If you really think about it, Dusabel was the first urban agriculturalist in the Chicago area. You know, he, you know, he came in and survived off the, the wild onion and of growing that wild onion and fur trading. Yeah. You know, and he's been overlooked in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, we want to um, start taking back our our culture and our yeah. um, terminology and uh, just, you know, our stuff. So one thing I want to introduce on the show immediately is the term dusabling. Yeah. So we're taking back what's ours. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to we're gonna dusable jazz. We're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> rock, rock and roll, but you know we're going to start off with urban agriculture, and you know I think um, focusing on you know a lot of the really cool things that are going on at aquaponics and urban um, urban ag in the Chicago area with Emmanuel Pratt and Oren Williams, who will you know I, I think we'll be able to get on the show sometime very soon. Um, but yeah, Dusabling as a Dusabling. Concept, you know, in, in honor to the uh, the founder of the city and. The, you know, the first urban agriculturalist. And, you know, if you think about it, he had the long hips to beard, too. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> and it would be necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it back. Oh, um, one other uh, concept that, you know, like I think think of this as a EOC companion piece. So, you know, there is the organization called the Environmentalists of Color that is focusing on people of color working in the environmental field in the Chicago area. So a big portion of what we'll be doing is interviewing, um, spotlighting people from uh, the Environmentalists of Color and, you know, trying to uh, share a lot of stories about our difficulties um, getting to where we are in the environmental field and how we 
um, how we all found our way into the environmental field. Yeah. You know, um, I think there's a really wide range of why we're all doing what we do, um, and as well as a wide range of what we're doing. But you know, we've all have some commonalities in you know our experiences, like you know, being one of only people of color. Like you mentioned, yeah. you know, oftentimes being the only woman or the only person of color in a room. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been that one person of color working wherever I've worked, you know. Um, and I've been in the environmental field for like 16 years now, somewhere in that range. And, you know, the, hell, there was a point in time I worked for a black-owned environmental company. It was the only black person working in the environmental department at the company. Yeah. You know? um, so it's just, you know, uh, lots of lots of stories of that um, of adversity and triumph and you know hard work and uh, determination to get you to where you are and all that good stuff so sorry oh no no this is great i'm 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 really excited about this and this is only meant as a as an introduction yeah um but uh i look forward to to having more conversations uh with you and other environmentalists of color about this awesome so um with that being said, I think we're going to sign off. Thank you for thank you for your time, and uh, I think you know, we'll be back next week. Yeah, thank you. Cool.